turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. <laughs> Hey, just so you'll know, we will not be on Facebook for a few days. We're working on... The Mevo died. All right. Uh, it, it got really, really sick. We took a COVID test with it. It came back negative. But uh, something went wrong, and it uh, it just died. So like I've always said about uh, when you're dealing with, uh, uh, you know technology it's it's really good except when it's not yeah it has a really bad case of monkey pox it probably won't ever <laughs> you know we didn't check for monkey pox it could be that yeah we never know have to check it out anyway we talked with our engineer uh here at the radio station he's come up with a new way of streaming uh the show so um i saw a uh a text that was sent or email, I forget which one, uh, from our new GM. And he said, yes, we do want to stream, pursue, you know, to get this stuff. And talked with uh, the head of the business side of the station and uh, said, I, I need a, you know, the, the necessary forms for us to be able to purchase what we need to purchase. So it's going to take a few days. But when we do come back on, it'll be better than ever. I'll look purdy. And it's hard to make me look purdy at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm just telling you. I work at it, but I have lost that battle many, many times and continue to uh, lose that battle. Uh, I sent a text over to Robert Steinbach. I don't know if he's awake or not. All right. I haven't had an answer back. But I asked him if he would join us at 635 by phone to talk about this whole thing, the special master. And and what is a special master? Uh, why would the defense want it? Why would the prosecutor might not might want it? Or, or why would either side not want it? So we'll try to get him on to explain that. Because when we start getting into the law, man, I'm just telling you, I don't have a law degree and I don't speak Latin. So between those two things, it makes it really difficult to figure out what in the heck is going on. Here's what I do know in our country now, and it's been happening over the last few years. Uh, Lady Justice, you know, that's the statue of the woman holding the, the law in her arm and the scales in her other hand and has a blindfold on. And what it means is that Lady Justice is blind uh, and just takes up what uh, is on the scales, uh, the facts, and makes a decision. 
And uh, that's not been the case for quite some time now in this country. Uh, in our country, uh, Lady Luck, the, balance, the scales a lot of times are not balanced, and it shows Lady Luck, uh, Lady uh, Justice, it shows Lady Justice, you know, holding up one side of the uh, blindfold up so she can look out. Uh, and uh, maybe uh, those, uh, those decisions aren't so balanced after all. So uh, there's, uh, there's some really serious stuff going on as far as our republic is concerned. And because of it, uh, it threatens our, our very uh, country. And that's not good. I, I want this country to be around for my kids but I don't want it to be changed so much, which has been going on, because, like I said, Lady Justice been holding up the blindfold, looking around, uh, would really like to make sure that it's a, a country that he, he has an equal shot with everybody else. You know, I, I just, just hope that that happens. Because I can't be here for my kids and my grandkids and my great-great-grandkids, you know, forever just doesn't work out that way. And uh, I just teach the ones that I'm able to teach and try to lead them uh, in, in the truth of what our Constitution says and, uh, you know, uh, getting into the uh, Declaration of Independence and whatnot. So uh, the Republicans demand a, the, that Facebook... Now, disclose the communications with the FBI on Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, laptop. I'm loving the president now. Is like saying, why is the, the Republicans demanding that they, the FBI does this and the FBI does that? You know, we got to fund the police. It would be nice if you would have spoke out so clearly and loudly uh, a couple of years ago, Mr. President. Of course, you didn't. And you didn't speak out during the time you were running for president. And now we got all this crime that's going on, and you're trying to blame the Republicans. This is what I'm going to I'm going to be partisan here. So if you're a Democrat, if you want to change to another channel, feel free. All right. But if, if you don't have any problem with dealing with with truth, then keep it right where you're at. Here is the key. The, get, the Democrats continually, when they point their finger at the Republicans and say they're doing this, the Democrats have been doing it forever. They've been pursuing uh, what I would say are unconstitutional things. And they know that. Look, they know that. L let me give you a real clear example of this. You got the president of the United States saying by fiat, uh, by uh, his his power as being president, that he's going to spend like three hundred to five hundred to a trillion dollars, you know, uh, to forgive student loans. Okay, so where do laws and where and where does uh, the 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 ability uh, to spend money uh, happen? Does it happen in the executive branch? No, no, it does not. It happens in the uh, legislative branch or the Congress. They're the ones. 
that have to put the law together, they're the ones that are supposed to work together and de- and determine how much money they're going to spend on whatever is going on. And they're the ones that have to sign it into law. And then the president can either, uh, you know, sign it himself or veto it. If he vetoes it, then the Congress has a chance to override his veto. And uh, if they do, it goes into being law and, and they can spend that money. But the president cannot. It is unconstitutional. It is illegal for him to say, hey, we're going to spend maybe up to a trillion dollars for giving student loans. Can't do that legally. Now, this president doesn't care. He's made that very clear now. So we've we've got a constitutional crisis. But what has Pelosi done? Two years ago, or about a year ago, she made the statement that what the president wanted to do, he couldn't do it in forgiving student loans. Now what's she saying? Well, this is what the Democratic Party has always wanted to do. That is not the correct answer. The first answer was correct. The president can't do it. The second one Now that she's seen the president is going to do it, now it's suddenly, well, this is what the Democratic Party was wanting to do. Well, it doesn't matter what the Democratic Party wanted to do if they're not following the Constitution. And she knows that. She's not stupid. Look, I don't like the way she wants to lead the country, but Nancy Pelosi's not stupid. She knows the law. Will she follow it? That is a different story. All right, got to get our first break in. Boy, I got off really excited already this morning. Got to get you got to get excited about this kind of stuff because this has to do with following our constitution. And now we're starting to hear from the left, and they're starting to say, "Well, maybe what we don't need is the constitution." Don't ever ever let them convince you that we don't need the Constitution. We are a country of laws. We are a country of rules. And that Constitution that we, that we wrote 200-plus years ago is as valid today as it was then. All right, so keep that in mind. You live in a great nation. Don't give it up. Don't give it up. Dave Ellswick Show, don't forget about uh, our good friends over at ICU Protection. Uh, I've been a member of ICU. I've been one of their customers now for over three months, and I love them. Absolutely love them. Hey, somebody pulls up in my driveway, and I don't know that they're coming or whatever. I'm just happen to sit, be sitting there in the living room. I'm watching a football game, whether it be high school football, college football, professional football, same thing with baseball, women's volleyball, whatever it is I happen to be watching at the time. Uh, my phone will buzz, and uh, through the uh, the app that I have with ICU Protection, I get these clear 1080p pictures from my outdoor cameras, and I can tell you who it is that's in my, uh, you know, on my driveway. And the cars may not even have their uh, lights flashing yet. All right, <laughs> it's a joke. All right, sitting there on my on my driveway. 
but uh, I can see who it is. Uh, these are clear cameras. These are great pictures. This is just like watching direct TV. You can you can you know who it is that's out there, and uh, so you can uh, react. You know, as you should. I mean, maybe you just got out of the shower. Don't know about you, but at uh, almost seventy years old, I, I don't want somebody walking in my house when I'm you know walking around butt naked. I just don't want that. To be, uh, they would never get over it. Their 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 psyche would be scarred for whatever length the rest of their life was going to be. Well, Billy Mack can help you keep that from happening with ICU protection. He can also keep you from the bad guy trying to break in. You can put door and window sensors on your doors and your windows, and uh, it will notify you by your smartphone. So if you're not home, you know exactly what's going on, exactly what's going on. And if you're like me and you got your 12-gauge semi-automatic uh, shotgun in the bedroom, you know whether you need to pick it up or you don't. It's that simple. ICU Protection, you call them at 501-205-1333, and they'll discuss over the telephone exactly what your house or your business needs. These are the guys that do Nuke One. That's right. They protect the uh, reactor out there in Russellville or Dardanelle, whichever way you want to look at it. And they will be... Uh, make sure that you have that same kind of protection at your home. Plus, you just pay for the service. You don't pay for any of that hardware. That hardware goes in absolutely free and belongs to you. That's ICU Protection. Talk to Billy Mac today, 501-205-1333. 22 minutes uh, after 6 o'clock on a Wednesday. Man, it is hump day already. We are halfway to Friday, closer to Friday by far than we were on Monday, and that means that we're closer to, for many of us, a three-day weekend, and very close to kickoff up in uh, Fayetteville at the uh, Shrine to the Razorbacks, all right, and uh, got some football coming up on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. I'm talking to folks, finding out what they want to do. Are we going to do, you know, a get-together and have a Razorback party, or what are we going to do? Got to know. We're already knowing that we're going to be on vacation when two big games come up. Uh, We'll be um, on our vacation with our friends uh, down in Florida uh, when we play A&M. In the Southwest Conference, uh, you know, bowl or whatever you want to call it. And then uh, the next week, it's Alabama coming into, you know, Fayetteville. By then, we're going to have a pretty doggone good feel for uh, what this team is going to be like at that point. I mean, we got Cincinnati this weekend. Then we've got South Carolina coming up. Then we got the Aggies coming up. And then we've got the Tide coming up. Tell you what, tough start. Tough start for this football team, and uh, they're going to take their measure pretty doggone quick uh, for this uh, this season. All right, so Republican senators now are demanding that Facebook turn over its communications with the FBI regarding the Hunter Biden's laptop uh, story that's going on. Uh, you may remember that Zuckerberg was on Joe Rogan's show the other day, his podcast, and said that the FBI had told them to be careful of Russian disinformation, i.e., Hunter Biden's laptop, etc. 
And uh, from the Republican senators, here's what they're saying. Now, this is Chuck Grassley, okay, of Iowa. Uh, The American people deserve to know whether the FBI used Facebook as part of their alleged plan to discredit information about Hunter Biden. Uh, That came from uh, Chuck Grassley. Uh, Senator from Iowa and Ron Johnson, congressman from Wisconsin. They wrote this uh, Facebook CEO, Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg's admission to podcast host Joe Rogan uh, that Facebook decreased distribution of the Hunter Biden laptop story ahead of the 2020 election at the bidding of the FBI has sparked a massive backlash. Now, here's what they found out uh, on this that one out of six people who voted in the election said that they would not have voted for Biden if they had known this, that they were, that they were covering up Hayden, or, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop story. Senator Grassley went on to say the FBI's ill-conceived actions not only interfered in our congressional investigation by frustrating and obstructing our ability to advance the matters under review, it also interfered in the 2020 election. So maybe it wasn't the Russians that were causing the problems. Maybe it was our own FBI. And it got deeper yesterday when this came out. From the Washington Times, a senior FBI official in the Bureau's Washington field office has abruptly resigned after coming under congressional scrutiny for suspected political bias in handling the investigation of Hunter Biden's laptop computer. The Washington Times has learned that Timothy Tribolt and or Tebolt, an assistant special agent in charge, was forced to leave his post. The information came from two former FBI officials familiar with the situation. They're whistleblowers. The National Review is uh, saying that Tebolt had already been on leave since FBI Director Christopher Wray revealed during a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing earlier this month. You might remember him sitting up in front of the uh, committee for the in, in the Senate that he found the whistleblower claims against the agent and his colleague, FBI Supervisory Intelligence Analyst Brian Auten, deeply troubling. Some Republicans have insisted that Tribal may have been motivated by malicious political bias, pointing to his social media history, including a retreat of a Lincoln uh, Project message, who were very liberal, Uh, that called former President Trump a psychologically broken, embittered, and deeply unhappy man. All right, so it gets deeper here. Uh, Today, it got a little bit deeper when uh, Merrick Garland came out, of course, the AG, and sent a memo out to the staff of the DOJ, that's the Department of Justice, and said that uh, they weren't supposed to talk to anybody— not to talk on, you know, social media or anything like that. Now, something that did concern me is when he told his uh, people in his department that they were not to talk to senators or to congressmen uh, up on the Hill. That 
my friends, sounds to me like a threat to anybody who's thinking about being a whistleblower. You know, there's laws that protect whistleblowers. This just seems like, uh, you know, Merrick Garland is putting them on notice that you don't want to do that because if you do, we're going to get you. I, uh, that's exactly what those laws are supposed to keep from happening. I was driving in today listening to Fox News, and they were panificating amongst themselves, Steve and all of them, and uh, talking about, well, maybe these guys that are whistleblowers and they're protected by the whistleblower laws now, they should come forth and start speaking to the press. Well, when you hear Merrick Garland say something like that, and he's the head of the DOJ, do you want to try to take that chance? Or does that have a chilling effect on anybody coming forth and perhaps uh, saying something's going on? All right, we got to get to some news. We're going to do that with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And then we'll come back and talk further about Merrick Garland and what's going on there. And hopefully... Robert has woken up, read my text, and will join us and talk about what does it mean when you have one of these uh, special people that go in and look at the evidence. We'll find out from him about what that's all about, what they do, what they can't do. That's coming up next on 1011 FM, The Answer. Back with you. Don't forget about my good buddy, Eric Coleman. He'd like you to stop by and check out what he's got going on uh, in his uh, business at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. He's got all kinds of very cool, beautiful, gorgeous jewelry on display that you can pick from. On top of that, if that doesn't ring your bell... Uh, then you can talk to him specifically about him creating something for you, for that special someone that will reflect their personality and be something that they'll never see on somebody else's hand or around somebody else's neck or or, uh, wrist. Uh, He's got all kinds of free stones. He's got diamonds. He's got rubies. He's got uh, colored uh, diamonds. Uh, uh, He's got emeralds. He, if it, if you can name it, he's got it, and you can look at him. Find one that will uh, fit your particular vision uh, for a, a, a you know a, a ring or for some type of jewelry you want to get, and Eric can make it for you. He's a real artisan. Don't expect it to be done in three days. Going to take him some time to do it. He's going to talk to you the first time just about what it should look like he can uh, devise the ring on a computer that is right there in his shop make the wax impression you can pick out the the gemstones all of that you know what kind of gold do you want do you want you know 14 carat do you want uh, rose gold or, or what is it that you need eric has it and can deliver it for you Stop by and talk to him. He's open Monday through Friday, or Monday through Saturday, pardon me, from 10 until 6, 6 at uh, 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E. Or if you can't stop by, you want to make a, an appointment, when you know for sure he'll be there, call 501-246-3655. By the way, if you need a repair, if you need it cleaned, get a hold of Eric. He does all of those things. He's a full you know, you know, he's a full, full stop. You stop there, you can get it all done at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right. 
I didn't even have to talk to him. All right, I just texted him. He woke up, must have saw the uh, the uh, the text, and Robert Steinbach is here. He is, of course, a law professor at the Bowen School of Law right here in Little Rock, and uh, his opinions are his and his alone and not those of the school, not necessarily those of the school or university for which it belongs. So, Robert, uh, you're the, the legal beagle. What does it mean when you have these special people that come in on these uh, investigations? I mean, the the DOJ doesn't want one. Uh, the Trump administration does want one because these people supposedly, I guess, are supposed to be uh, uh, non-partial, so to speak, is what they say. You know, bring us up to date on all of that. Yeah, well, you, you have it exactly right, Dave. The special prosecutor is generally appointed when there's some conflict with a regular prosecutor. That can be at the state level, that can be at the federal level. Uh, and so we've seen it uh, in both, in fact. And uh, if there's a problem, say, with the Justice Department uh, going after the president, and why would there potentially be a problem? Because the justice, uh, the former president, going after the former president, because the Justice Department reports to the current president. Now, here's the rub. The special prosecutor uh, still reports to the attorney general, who still reports to the president. So how is that any less of a conflict? The theory is that because the person is the special prosecutor, when he's done, he's done. So whatever he does, what are you going to do? Fire me from a job that I don't have, right? So that's why a, a special prosecutor is considered somewhat less um, uh, related uh, to the entity uh, that it's reporting to. But there's still some relationship. And indeed, who they appoint is critical, right? So if uh, the um, uh, the special prosecutor that's appointed is uh, somebody's buddy, right? Like we used to say when the roads were built, so was some, someone's uncle was getting rich when the uh, some some legislator's uncle was getting rich when the roads are built because it's an inside deal. So it does depend who gets appointed. The notion a special prosecutor is supposed to bring some greater level of independence to the job. Okay, so that that's in book form. That's what it means. All right, that's correct. All right, yeah. that may not be in reality. I mean, whoever the DOJ and I guess the defense at that point have to agree on who this person is going to be. Is that right, or is it no. is it or is it the judge that makes the initial decision? No, it's usually the, uh, well, it depends. That's, a, that's an excellent question. It's, it's never the defense in this context. It's either appointed by, in, in, at the federal level, the attorney general on his own who determines there's some sort, sort of internal conflict. What we're seeing now with Trump is a request for a special master. Okay, master. Different. All yeah. right. What is and that? Special master. Yeah, special, it's similar, to be clear. It wasn't like what we just talked about as a waste. A special master is brought in to look at certain events uh, to create independence uh, from the judge and or to do something that's very time-consuming and technical that the judge doesn't want to do or thinks he's less capable to do. Uh, And that's appointed by the judge. And so a classic example uh, of a special master is like when a court appoints someone after 9-11 to go through all of the claims of the victims and then 
come to a conclusion as to what each person should get, and then that comes back to the judge. It's not exactly what happened in 9-11, but put that aside for a moment. As a notion, that's something that could happen where a judge would say, okay, I'm going to appoint a special master, and we've got 4,000 victims here and we need to process all those claims i the judge i'm not going to process those claims i'm going to appoint someone who's an expert on processing these types of claims and then he'll bring that back to me so that's a special master in this case trump said i want a special master to go through my records that the government came in uh, with guns and took to make sure that my attorney client privilege records aren't being reviewed by the regular government by the prosecutors because they're not supposed to look at that that's the whole point uh and what the government said by the way uh, recently was oh no no we took care of that already for you you know like the old saying that reagan said the, the most feared words are when the government shows up at your door and says i'm here to help you yeah so here the department of justice said, oh no no we took some of our other attorneys who aren't working on your case no no don't worry about it they're not working on your case and they went through all of your records and determined what was attorney client privilege and what was not uh so don't worry about it uh, i'd worry about it by the way yeah i would i would too so who this this uh this person this master who is right. the person who picks that person is it again the judge the judge in this context yes the judge because it's a quasi-judicial position it says turn over the records to the court the court's going to turn over the records to the special master and the special master is going to divide up which records the department of justice should be able to evaluate and should not be able to evaluate and as i said the doj said oh we evaluated them all already you're very welcome yeah we've already gone through all of them right that's right that's right thank you I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Absol- right? abs- absolutely. All right. So, who does this tend to to uh, the power of this fall on the defense's side or the prosecution side? Does, does one side have a better get a better deal out of this than the other side? Uh, a special master in this context inures to the benefit of the president because. The special master is brought in to take away some of the discretion of the Department of Justice. Okay. And that's why they said, oh, we did it already. Because they don't like people meddling in their business. Now, it's possible they got it right. A blind squirrel will find a nut every once in a while. <laughs> so it's possible they got it right. I got uh, you. Right? I got you. All right. Last yeah. question about all of this, sure. because, you know, this gets into all that legal stuff that I always said. I didn't go to law school, and I did stay at a Holiday Inn one night, and uh, maybe I picked up a little bit. But here's the other question. Just yesterday, uh, towards the afternoon, Merrick Garland sent out a memo uh, to the staff members at the DOJ. Now, remember that we've got this whole thing going on about the FBI and uh, did they cover up about Hunter Biden? And you got a couple of whistleblowers that came out and they're the ones that let this out, this cat out of the bag. The DOJ now has a memo that uh, people come to work, lands on their desk and it says, hey. You can't talk on social media about this. You can't talk to about it here or there. And you may not talk to anybody that uh, works within 
uh, Congress. You can't talk to you know congressmen or senators. Sounds like to me, Merrick Garland. I mean, I understand that we've got whistleblower laws, but isn't that kind of throwing something out there that says if you're a whistleblower, we're watching for you? It certainly sounds like it. I haven't seen the memo yet. But remember, employees in the government have certain First Amendment rights. They're not uh, as broad as an individual uh, standing on a street corner or on a soapbox saying something. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same way with the military. We had First Amendment rights, but we couldn't stand up in our uniform and say it. Indeed. And, and, And government employees usually have broader First Amendment rights in the military. Um, employees, shall we call them, because the military is the most restrictive in terms of government employment. Okay. Uh, so it's it's curious what he's saying here, and whether or not he stayed, he Merrick Garland. By the way, isn't that guy when you see him on television? Isn't he just so joyous to watch? <laughs> I, you know, the problem is that uh, Merrick Garland died several years ago, but nobody told him. Uh, uh, you know, Merrick, hello. Are you there? Hello? Yeah, yeah. He looks uh, like the crypt keeper in a suit. I agree. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, I think the reason that uh, Biden appointed him, he's the only guy you could appoint that looks less impressive than Biden himself. <laughs> looks older, at least. Well, and deader. Uh, um, But putting that aside, uh, you know, you you send out a memo that says you can't talk about these things. Now, does that mean you can't talk about some inside information that you have? Because, of course, you can never talk about inside information that you have as an attorney in the DOJ. That's called the duty of confidentiality. It's uh, one of the first rules that all lawyers must subscribe to under their ethical obligations. So is he just reminding them of that? Seems unlikely. Seems like he's telling people they can't talk about this, and I haven't seen the memo to be clear, but based on what you're describing, irrespective of their roles. And that's problematic. And that sounds like he's saying, hey, shut up because it looks bad for the drug-dealing, drug-using, uh, um, stripper-impregnating son of the president mm-hmm. to talk about these things. Oh, did I mention a computer leaving uh, uh, at a computer store? <laughs> um, uh, uh, son of the president right. who uh, um, has done some really, really bad stuff, and he has admitted to it, no less. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, we're going to keep a track on that. I'll have you on on Friday. We'll probably have more on that. We can talk about it. But thanks for getting up early in the morning and having a little bit of coffee and uh, and sitting here and trying to explain all of this to us. It's always my pleasure, uh, Dave. All right. Talk to you later. Robert Steinbach, of course, law professor over at Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the school or the university to which it uh, ascribes. All right. We'll get back uh, a little bit more to talk about coming up in the next hour. Congressman Hill, Congressman Westerman, and we'll be talking to him about this kind of stuff, too, as well as can can the president... Under the Constitution, delve out a trillion dollars in student uh, debt repayments. I don't think he can. Let's talk to them about it and see what they say about it as well as we continue on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's uh, finish up this hour on a Wednesday show here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up in the next hour, uh, Congressman Hill will join us at 7.06 and at uh, 7.35-ish. 
Uh, we'll talk to uh, Congressman Westerman. Uh, so we'll get uh, information from both of them. Story out this morning that just blows my mind. If you want to see and get a taste of what communism's like, go to California. I mean, seriously. You know, I don't have a lot of respect for the government out there. Uh, that's why I don't live out there, nor have I ever wanted to live out there. I visited a couple of times. Beautiful state. Absolutely beautiful state. But they've got every crazy person that lives in the union that takes up residence there. Governor Newsom has until the end of September to sign or veto a bill. This from, here's from the Wall Street Journal. Listen to this bill. California's legislature passed a bill Monday to create a government panel that would set wages for an estimated half a million fast food workers in California. A first-in-the-U.S. approach to workplace regulation that labor union backers hope will spread nationally. The bill, known as the FAST Act, would establish a panel with members appointed by the governor and legislative leaders composed of workers, union representatives, employers, and business advocates. They would set hourly wages of up to $22 per hour for fast food workers starting next year and can then increase them annually by the same rate as the Consumer Price Index up to a maximum of uh, 3.5%. Here's what the Associated Press said. The bill grew out of a union movement to boost the minimum wage, and Andreas said it would work in conjunction with traditional union organizing to give workers a voice in their working conditions. They've got a voice. It said, I can work where I'm at or I can quit. Now, that's what your voice is. Because what you're selling is you're selling your labor to the owner of the, of the store. You're making a trade with them. You're saying to them, I'll work here if you pay me X amount of dollars. If you don't, I'll go somewhere else. And uh, the, the owner says to you, well, you know, I'll pay you $95 an hour. Or looks at you and said, dude, do you have any, you know, idea at all of how you run a business? I can't pay you that kind of money. And then you go and you tell the next fast food uh, folks. But that's not what this is. This is the government using a panel to tell a owner of a shop, the person who put the money up to build the place, who's taking the, taking the uh, chance that it's going to, uh, to flourish or at least make enough money to break even, and they'll tell you how much they can pay you. And, you know, that, that's called capitalism. That's a free uh, trade of uh, you know information and making a a free decision on that. So th- this is cra- this is communism. Now this is communism. This is not socialism. This is communism. This is when the government 
is telling the owner, you must do this. Now, in socialism, they pass laws uh, that they that they they try to uh, impose on businesses, but typically uh, it gives the business some say in it. Business doesn't have much of any kind of say at all in this. $22 an hour to flip burgers? Excuse me. If I owned a McDonald's in California, I'd either be thinking about closing it or I would want to see uh, if I could do everything at the McDonald's with robots. That's what I would be looking at. Maybe I'd have one person working in case something went wrong. But I would be caught cutting my labor force uh, as fast as I can. Look, labor is the number one highest price piece of running a business. Why would you want to cut your own throat the way they're, they're trying to do it here in California? You may not even see any fast food restaurants in California to get this going. This is crazy. Not only can they tell you how much you're going to pay them, then every year they can come back and tell you whether you got to pay them more or not. What if you make less in the area that you have your fast food restaurant, if you're a franchisee, than at another pl- place in the state where uh, they're doing even they're doing better? Do you see how crazy this is? Do you understand how nuts this is? This is like the guy who called me in the 90s and said business uh, exists to take care of the workers. No, it doesn't. It exists to make a profit. That's why a business exists. That's why it exists. And uh, they pay you what they offer to you in a peaceful transaction of, uh, yeah, I'll work for you for that. Or no, I won't. It's that simple. All right. Congressmen are up next right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. For uh, and it looks like the phone's ringing now. Looks like the uh, congressman, Congressman Hill, will join us from District Two. Got questions for him. Got questions for uh, Congressman Westerman from District Four as well. So uh, we got a lot of things to talk about. I want to talk about the president right off the bat. I want to talk about this loan forgiveness stuff. And uh, you know, uh, Congressman uh, Hill, glad you could join us today. We've got a president. Who wants to spend who knows how much money? We don't know whether it's three hundred billion or one trillion dollars on on loan forgiveness for these college loans, but yet he says he's going to do this uh, on his own. He he's going to make this decision. He's going to sign the paperwork. He's going to he's going to divvy up the money. Now the last time that I took a. Uh, 
a constitutional uh, course uh, in college. Here's what I know. There's separation of powers between the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. Now, the executive can propose things. Uh, the executive can, uh, you know, take care of, of uh, waging war and things of that nature. But they've got to work with you all in the Congress to put the money up. You're the guys who got the purse strings. You're the people who control all of that. How is this president thinking that he's going to do this if the Congress is not 100 percent behind him? Well, good morning, Dave. It's good to be with you, and it's uh, one of many reasons why I don't support what Biden is doing here, and that is the constitutional argument. It's the same reason I can't support uh, President Obama's approach to DACA, the Deferred Action Program for Kids. It goes way beyond the statutory authority for the president. Here, the president, as Nancy Pelosi told the whole country last summer, Mm -hmm. he can delay the terms due to the emergency. He could lower the interest rate due to the health emergency, for example. Um, He could waive payment periods, but he cannot forgive the body of the loan, the amount of the loan. That was her assessment. I agree with it. It would take Congress to do that because you are, what are you doing? You're appropriating money. You're not executing an existing law and that's the distinction that's why he could tweak an interest rate during a health care emergency and of course congress also authorized in the cares act and some of the subsequent appropriations bills certain things to do during the health care emergency he just didn't do that because he wanted to those were things that congress authorized during the course of that first year of the pandemic So this is a key point, and it doesn't even address the unfairness issue of it or the, uh, you know, the, the morality aspects of it. Yeah, this is this is really this is a big time overreach. And if he does say he's going to do this. I bet you a lawsuit is is filed within 30 minutes of a signature, maybe 30 seconds. I think so, too, by a lot of people. You could file because you're aggrieved that your loan was not forgiven. You could file because uh, you worked your tail off for 30 years saving money every paycheck to pay for your kids to go to higher education. All those people are harmed uh, in an economic sense by this forgiveness. You could file a lawsuit because you're a taxpayer. And eighty-seven, one of the 87% of the people that didn't go to college in this country uh, and you have to pay higher taxes because of this. But I think you're going to find that there's a uh, federal suit in some shape or form under the Constitution that members of Congress can, can also work on from an amicus brief point of view to say that it's not constitutional and that it follows the same uh, court debate <laughs> that we do every time the executive branch overreaches on a budget matter. Well, it seems to me that uh, the chances of this happening are very, very small. Uh, this is a, pro- a, 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 a this is a situation where I think the president overpromise is going to underdeliver, and it's going to have just the opposite effect of what he was hoping that it would have, and that people would go out and vote for him. And when he can't deliver this for whatever reason, but it's going to be because of the legality of it. It's going to lose him votes. 
Yeah, this is definitely a boat buying scheme. It's kind of like suddenly he got interested in building the wall in a few hundred yards in Arizona a couple of weeks ago. This is just purely showmanship for the fall. I do think it'll backfire. But look, this is also part of the Democratic's plan just to hit conservatives, hit Republicans that they're not caring uh, about their fellow citizens suffering. I always say, hey, why do we why are we in this situation with one point seven trillion dollars? You know, there's one reason. Obama. Obama. He is the one who to pay for the Affordable Care Act said, oh, we're going to go into the direct lending business for students. Uh-huh. And because of the fees and the interest rates on those loans, we'll use that money to pay for part of the cost of Obamacare. What did he do? It's not really a loan, Dave. It's a predatory consumer attack on these families because they're not they're in over their heads from day one because there's no underwriting the college the federal government they don't care about these families and help them do what's in their best interest for higher education no they're sitting there saying hey put your car loan in there put your rent in there put your child care in there put your tuition put your books and these people are overwhelmed by debt because of Obama's predatory decision to make the government with no underwriting no care start shoveling money into people who can't pay it back. All right, so let's talk about another governmental scheme, this time on a state level. But uh, if it happens in California, you know that there's a lot of states that will follow up with them. And uh, yesterday, uh, the governor of California, Governor Newsom, uh, decided that he, he has until September 30th. Now, he hasn't decided on this. But he will either sign or veto what they're calling the fast uh, food bill. Have you heard about this, Congressman? Have you heard? I don't know this. Yeah, you're going to love this. Uh, California's legislature passed a bill, this was on Monday, to, to create a government panel that would set wages for an estimated half million fast food workers in their state. A first in the U.S. approach to workplace regulation that labor union backers hope will spread nationally. The bill, known as the FAST Act, would establish a panel with members appointed by the governor and the legislative leaders comprised of workers, union representatives, employees, and business advocates that would set hourly wages of up to $22 an hour for fast food workers starting next year and then can increase them annually by the same rate as the Consumer Price Index up to a maximum of 3.5% a year. Now, that's not socialism. That's communism. I mean, uh, again, this is going – I mean, my question would be – what is going on with the California legislature? Yeah, I mean, no kidding. Happened to, you know, uh, and if you want to, it is a fast act because they're pulling a fast one on what it's going to cost to buy a hamburger in California. And you know what the result's going to be, Dave? Yeah, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. Unemployment and robots are going to serve you your hamburger. I said, uh, I, I read this story to my listeners today, and I said, I can tell you if I owned a McDonald's or a Chick-fil-A or whatever, I would be finding out how few live people I could have on the payroll to make the business work. That's, that's exactly what would happen. That's already happening, of course, and so it's going to accelerate. And, 
this is what's wrong. I mean, I think you've got a lot of, I'm sure, good, old-school, yellow-dog Democrats that listen to this show. And I want to tell all that audience, let me tell you something. The Democratic Party is so far away from the one you grew up with. This Democratic Party is against franchises. They think franchises are like some form of slavery. They're against independent contractors. They're against anything that's not unionized and controlled by the government. And that's what's in the Inflation Production Act. That's what's in every labor bill. That's why they want to preempt all the state laws for right to work in the in the southern states. So this is not surprising, but it is it just in the exact opposite of the interests of the working families of this country. And I wish people would wake up to it. And Californians are leaving in droves, so I think they are waking up to it. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we'll talk more. I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, where you're now downstream uh, from Afghanistan and what the president did and how that has really emboldened people like Putin and what they're doing over in Ukraine and what's it doing in the thought process of the Chinese. We got that discussion coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. want to remind you about David Lucas. David Lucas will help you decide how big of a percentage that you have in your nest egg for your retirement, how much of that should be made up of precious metal? You know, silver, gold, platinum, for that matter, and others uh, that, that you can buy now. And then how do you go about buying it? Who do you contact? Well, that's where David Lucas Financial comes into play. They know all of that. They can teach you all of that. They can put you in touch with all of those people that you need to be in touch with. Learn how silver and gold could help you protect your assets. Just call 501-222-3315. They work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country, so you'll get direct prices from a dealer you can trust. To learn more about buying silver and gold, Call 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. All right, back with you. And, of course, our special guest, as uh, normal on a Wednesday morning at, uh, you know, about uh, 7 o'clock, is uh, Congressman French Hill from District 2. We've been talking about uh, some different things that are going on. Let's talk, uh, let's, let's think about history just for a second, Congressman. It was a little bit more than a year ago. I guess today it is a year ago that we literally closed the door on Afghanistan. Uh during that time, this president left Americans behind, uh, saw 13 Americans killed, and uh, just uh, just totally botched uh, the whole Afghani thing. And now what has happened since that time? Uh, a couple of months after the Afghanistan withdrawal, Russian President Putin renewed a major buildup of troops near the Ukrainian border in October of 21. Then in February of this year, Russia invaded Ukraine in a bloody and economically devastating war that continues today. And everybody is sitting on pins and needles and looking across the Straits of Taiwan, wondering what the Chinese are thinking. The Afghanistan withdrawal has put this country in a perilous condition. 
No doubt. And there's more to it than that. And this is the fact that uh, Biden has had a continuation of Obama's foreign policy, where the only thing that we put any emphasis on is climate change and doing a deal to give the Iranians nuclear weapons. And so Biden comes in and completely mishandles uh, our relations uh, in Europe and in Asia by demonstrating weakness. And the first right out of the box was Afghanistan, where Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, wanted out. He's the architect of getting out. But they didn't listen to our military leadership. They literally overrode our military leadership advice about what was going to happen in Afghanistan. And so this falls squarely on the president's shoulders, not only on the failed mission uh, and 13 lives lost, uh, but the loss of prestige of the United States. And as you as you tee it up, signaling to Putin and China, hey, Americans don't have their act together anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't have their act together anymore. Uh, And that facilitated uh, Putin's action. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But I, I bring up President Obama on purpose because this is a continuation of the same people in charge of our government. And it was Obama that did not cause Putin to pay any price for gassing kids in Syria or for invading Crimea. And so uh, Putin's view was, well, look, if this is the response of Europe and the United States, what the heck? Nobody's going to stop us. And so we have a bad track record here, and it's encouraging our enemies. Uh, And there's no doubt. And I I would add, frankly, uh, uh, you know, some of President Trump's decisions in Syria and in Venezuela. I mean, we have situations here where we're encouraging uh, bad actors to be aggressive, and that is never a safe place for the world. Yeah, well, let's talk about how our energy policies are making the world even uh, more unstable. Uh, today, the uh, uh, Russian government is shutting down the key Nord Stream uh, natural gas pipeline. And uh, a lot of Europeans are starting to say, uh, you know, are they going to reopen it? Uh, Temperatures are starting to fall. Uh, We need gas to be able to warm our homes for our people. How do we have enough uh, energy? And we've got an administration that's sitting here in the United States that has enough natural gas and, and other natural resources under the ground that we could tell our allies over in Europe, hey, we can help you out. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm a little irritated with the Germans and the way that they kept on uh, playing with the Russians. But the bottom line is we could tell them, you know, go pound sand, basically. And yet global warming is so important that we're, we're willing to give Russia this kind of, uh, of uh, strength in the world today. Yeah, I mean, this uh, you bring up the Germans, and it's, a, it's important that listeners understand this. I mean, Germans have been pressuring the Americans to give up fossil fuels, yeah. give up nuclear, every year for years. This is, the again, the key point of the Obama policy that is now being continued by the Biden policy. The only interruption was President Trump setting us straight, getting us back on the right foreign policy track and energy track. And we are not going to be able to, unfortunately, make up 
for all the mistakes of this administration since Biden came into office and the mistakes of 20 years of German policy in two months. This is why energy prices are on their way up and recession is on its way to uh, Europe because we don't have the ability to wave a magic wand and get gas into the mightiest economy in Europe, which is Germany's uh, industrial power. And it's a crisis that's coming. And the first frost is going to hit Ukraine sometime in October, uh, early October. And uh, I see I see trouble on the horizon here. And we are pumping, uh, and we could do a lot more, but we can't because this administration has basically put, sent out a war on more natural gas and oil here. And even if they use lip service now, uh, Dave, which they are, I would argue, it's too late. They've hurt America, they've hurt our our citizens, and they've hurt our allies in Europe because of their uh, uh, absolutely one-sided view of everything, which is that every policy decision is a climate decision. Yeah, well, here's here's the danger of all of this, I believe, Congressman, is that these kind of decisions are the kind of decisions that lead you into war and this this that worries me it worries me deeply well we have uh, we've seen that uh we saw it with the japanese in the 1930s uh we've seen it other times and uh desperation and poverty and lack of resources lead people to do desperate things and that's why having america energy independent is first and foremost a national security opportunity for us to protect our homeland, protect our citizens. But it's also a powerful way to say, we want to help you get through a tough time by exporting American natural gas. Whether it's in Asia, to our friends in Korea or Japan, or in Germany. It's a it's a scary situation. They want, you know, if the Democrats want an existential threat, that's the one they should be looking at. It really is, because its ugly head is rising up higher and higher. All right, Congressman, we appreciate you. I didn't even get to ask you about the FBI. I meant to ask you about that and, and Garrick, uh, uh, Garrick, what his name, up, up at the DOJ. I want to talk about him, but we don't have time. We'll do it next week. We'll do it next week. You're right. All right, you have a great day. All right, so Congressman being with us, it's always a pleasure to talk to him. Uh, I, I, wanted, I did want to hear what he had to say about uh, Garland making the statement about that, uh, you know, people on his staff and DOJ shouldn't talk to congressional members and uh, senatorial staffs. And to sound like to me, that's a shot out, a shot over the bow of, you know, shut up. I don't you you be a whistleblower. We'll figure a way of getting rid of you, even though there's a bunch of laws that protect you. We'll talk about that with Bruce Westerman. Uh, Congressman Westerman's coming up after the news. Uh, In fact, after Bill O'Reilly, who is just around the corner here, ready to bring his look at different things. And then uh, when we get back with him, we should have uh, 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 Congressman Westerman on the line and ready to talk to us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. At Dave Ellswick Show, of course, you're listening to 1011 FM. The answer will be back in a moment. All right, we continue on, and we've been joined by Congressman Bruce Westerman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We didn't get to talk to Congressman Hill about this, but let's 
talk about it with Congressman Westerman, and that is, what do you think about all this stuff you're hearing about the FBI, uh, Congressman, about, uh, you know, people who work uh, within the FBI that uh, may be using their political belief system to taint the way that they're supposed to, uh, you know, follow the law? Well, that's, that's a real concern, Dave. Good to be with you this morning. Um, you know, I know some FBI agents who are great people, um, solid, patriotic Americans, and I don't think the problems are uh, at that level. I think if there are problems, they're in the uh, uh, the, the upper levels. I think I've told you before, uh, when I first got elected to Congress, it was like people were going out of their way to tell me what a, what a great guy James Comey was. Uh-huh. Uh, that if, and he he came and spoke to our freshman retreat, and there was just something I didn't like about the guy from the very start. I don't know if he was arrogant or what it was, but uh, the more time goes on, the less I like him. And uh, I think there's a lot of um, political hacks like him and uh, and others, and especially in the DOJ, not maybe as much in the FBI, but in the DOJ at the at the upper levels and we can't have that um you know this country is based on justice and it's supposed to be equal justice and you can't have uh uh people in those agencies that are are political either way whether they're political for the left or the right they just can't be that way and we have to have to root that out all right so how do you feel? I mean, I'm really concerned about what Garland did yesterday. He sent a memo out uh, to uh, folks who work in the, the DOJ and uh, basically told them, uh, now this is my, par- my, my paraphrase of all of it, that uh, if you worked in the DOJ, you shouldn't be talking about anything that's going on uh, in uh, in the news, basically, on your social media and, and yada, yada, yada. And then at the end of that memo, uh, in, in the mi- it's in the middle of it, but it's towards the end of that uh, uh, paragraph. He says that you should not be talking to uh congressional people or uh you know people in the senate or any of that you should be keeping your mouth shut that seems like to me that's kind of a shot over the bow about what happened in the fbi with these whistleblowers and whistleblowers now are covered by their own laws so that people can't uh, come back and have retribution against them sounded like to me he was threatening them uh, as far as that is that how you take that uh, yeah, I'm not, not too pleased about that. And what he and others need to remember is that Congress has oversight over everything in the uh, in the federal government. And he may not be getting any oversight right now, but as uh, Kevin McCarthy told him not too long ago, save your records and clear your calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the time's coming when you're going to to, to question uh, some of the things that that have been going on. I'm sitting here looking at the uh, article. Garland said, all communication with Congress 
must be handled through their Office of Legislative Affairs, or OLA. Per DOJ policy, quote, no department employee may communicate with senators, representatives, congressional committees, or congressional staff without advance coordination, consultation, and approval by the OLA. If that doesn't chill any person that's out there who's thinking about blowing the whistle, I don't know what would. Yeah, well, um, that, that's that's the way he feels about it. But um, you know, in the terms of an old western, I think there's getting ready to be a new sheriff. Town, so. <laughs> and that's good. I'm just telling you, that's good. Now you're going to be the chair of Natural Resources Committee if the the Republicans re, uh, take over uh, the House. Does that mean that you look at oil and things of that nature? Oh, yeah. All the uh, energy development and mining on federal lands and waters. So, um, you know, all of the uh, oil and gas stuff on uh, places like New Mexico and out west and also, you know, Alaska, and then everything in the Gulf of Mexico and the, the offshore waters that all falls under the jurisdiction of our committee. So we've got a, a ton of work to do. It's uh, an area that has been nothing but attacked by this administration, and I, I don't understand that because they attack domestic uh, production, and then they go ask Saudi Arabia or Venezuela if they can, uh, you know, do a little backfilling for it. And well, also, you know, they're uh, draining the Strategic Petroleum Reserve right now as well, trying to drive gas down before the election. Yeah. Well, let me ask this, since um, I'm going to put you in that position a little earlier than January, okay? I'm going to, I'm going to do it right now. Uh, Russia is uh, shutting down Nord Stream uh, as of uh, yet or today. Uh, saying that they need to do maintenance, but Europe is wondering if it's going to open up again, if they're going to restart it, and they're concerned that as it gets colder, their demand for fuel will go up, and they're not going to have fuel coming in from uh, uh, oil coming in from Russia. Now, the Democrats keep telling us that global warming is a, you know, a, a, a threat in the future. Seems to me that we have a real threat in the present right now with what's going on with Russia. And our country, just under what we got buried in the ground, could be helping our European allies with this whole thing about uh, fuel, correct? Oh, absolutely. And uh, the the threat is being uh, ex- uh, accentuated by this administration and by these policies that are um, you know, saying not in my backyard and not allowing us to develop U.S. energy. We have enough gas in the Marcellus and Utica Shell, which is the largest deposit in the world, to supply the U.S. demands and the European demands for something like a thousand years, maybe more than that. Um, but as long as it's in the ground, it's not, not going to do that. Um, I've visited European, Eastern European countries that are totally dependent on Russia for their energy, and I've had, you know, prime ministers and leaders in those countries tell me that Putin will shut the energy off on the coldest day of the year just to remind them where their their power comes from. So, you know, he's pretty ruthless on what he'll do to maintain power and to make sure that that uh, 
uh, income streams coming in off of off of their resources. So nothing has changed globally on more uh, supply. What we need to be doing is putting more supply on the global market. That's what hurts Putin when uh, uh, when we put enough out there to drive down prices so that he's not uh, you know funding his war machine off of the energy and having all these countries that are next to him dependent upon him. So it would be great if he were shutting down Nord Stream 2 because uh, there weren't markets for his product, but the reason he would be shutting it down is to get leverage over these countries. Germany is the largest economy in Europe, and they have to have Russian energy or their economy collapses. That's why they're building coal power plants. Uh, it's why uh, Schultz, who told me last November they were going to go ahead and shut down their last three nuclear reactors, and in the press he was saying they were even going to do that after Putin invaded Ukraine, but just recently he reversed and said they're going to leave those those three operating. Uh, they should be going back and starting up the other 18 that they shut down when they started putting windmills everywhere. But um, we have been blessed with resources in the U.S., if we would just utilize those in a smart way, not only would we create more, uh, you know, international peace with it, we would also uh, create American jobs and do a lot more benefit to the environment because we extract these resources and use them uh, more safely and cleaner and with less human rights violations than anybody else in the world. So it, it makes absolutely no sense that we would shut down U.S. production and go beg these OPEC and OPEC plus countries for oil and fund Putin's war machine. Well, it would sure be nice if uh, the Democrats would read a little bit of history and how when countries don't have the necessary energy uh, to uh, power their economies, they end up going to war to get more energy. I mean, that's what happened in World War Two. I mean, that's not an existential threat. That's just a plain threat. Yeah, and there, there's a, a fascinating chart that the Department of Energy has, and it shows the the, the supply of energy um, since before the Industrial Revolution and, like, the world demand of energy. Yes. And before the Industrial Revolution, most energy came from biomass, basically burning wood and, and cow dung. Right. And that made up about 80% of the world's energy supply before the Industrial Revolution. Uh, today, that's a tiny fraction of the world's energy supply, but globally, we still burn more wood and cow dung than we've ever burned in the history of the world. And every source of energy has done nothing but increase over time. From like 1940 to 1962, the global demand for energy doubled. It doubled again from 62 to 87 doubled again in 2019, and it's projected to increase at least 50% by 2050. So when you look at the, the world's energy uses, it's an exponential curve, and the only anomaly there is nuclear power where people are shutting down reactors. So if we're using more coal, more wood, more natural gas, more gasoline, more diesel, uh, more wind, more solar, every form of energy is increasing. Um, and you just simply can't meet the current demands or the projected future demands with with wind and solar. It's going to have to be uh, nuclear, and for a long time it's still going to be coal and natural gas uh, because the world is demanding energy. That's how countries develop. 
Uh, what we should be doing is developing the, the most affordable, most reliable, and make it as clean as possible so that these developing countries will adopt our technology going forward. But to think we're going to turn everything into an electric car in the United States and solve any kind of carbon issue, that's that's verging on insanity. Yeah, I we passed the insanity mark a long time ago, Congressman. I'll tell you about insanity when we come back. There's a, there's a new uh, new law in California. You're not going to believe it when I read it to you. But I'm going to read it to you when we come back, and we'll talk about it. Our uh, guest, of course, is Congressman Bruce Westerman. i got to get a break in here as we've got 12 minutes remaining here on the Dave Ellswick Show on a Wednesday edition. We're going to talk about California and the FAST Act. You'll find out what that's all about when we return here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Don't forget about PI Roofing. PI Roofing wants you to know that they do roofs, and they do roofs better than anybody else, but they also do a lot of other things. For instance, construction. They'll do construction at your home. You got some damages to your house that you need fixed? Call PI Roofing. I'm going to give them a call. I got to get some uh, work done on my uh, my deck, and I want them to come out and take a look at it and give me a, a you know a, a, a price uh, for fixing it and uh, taking care of it for me. And I I'm looking at doing that during the the late fall, get ready for, or even maybe uh, the winter time, get ready for spring and summer next year, uh, planning ahead a little bit, and uh, PI Roofing can do that. Give them a call. I trust them to take care of everything about my roof, and if I can do that, I can trust them about construction and everything else that they do as a company as well. That's PI Roofing, 501-707-3551, 501-707-3551, or on the Internet at piroofing.com. All right, let's get back and finish up our conversation with Congressman Bruce Westerman. California has passed the FAST Act, which will allow government to set wages for fast food workers, uh, Congressman. Governor Newsom has until September 30th to sign or veto the bill. The Wall Street Journal reports this, that California's legislature passed a bill on Monday to create a government panel that would set wages for an estimated half million fast food workers in the state a first in the U.S. approach to workplace regulation that labor union backers hope will spread nationally. The bill, known as the FAST Act, would establish a panel with members appointed by the governor and legislative leaders composed of workers, union representatives, employers, and business advocates. Now, let's get down to where the rubber hits the road. They would set hourly wages of up to $22 for fast food workers starting next year and can increase them annually by the same rate as the consumer price index of up to a maximum of 3.5%. Wow, that sounds a whole lot like uh, socialism on steroids to me. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, that's on top of them not being able to sell internal combustion engine vehicles in a few years. I'll tell you what kind of fast act California's doing. They're causing people to leave California as, as fast as they can get out. 
and I don't know if, how long it's been since you've been out there, but you get around the major cities and it looks like a, a KOA campground with all the homeless people. So, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if I told you this or not, but I got a chance to visit with Elon Musk. Uh, oh, you didn't? Great. Yeah. Well, he uh, he's, he's a different individual, but... Um, one thing, every time the word socialism came up, he would come back with communism. He doesn't. He, he just uh, talked about these communist ideas, and he, he kind of skipped the socialism part. So uh, when, I, when I heard you say socialistic, I thought about how he, uh, he went right past that and said how communism hasn't worked and how, how it won't work here. But, um, you know, people are leaving California in droves. Uh, my, my friend who's a... Uh, was in Congress with me from Montana and is uh, the governor now. He said that, um, you know, they call Bozeman, some of the locals call it Bose Angeles because there's so many Californians moving out there. Now, I think part of that has to do with the Yellowstone TV show. But uh, you go to Texas, everywhere that uh, people still believe in freedom and the American way. Uh, you see people moving there from California, but everybody's hoping they just leave their politics behind. Yeah, well, hopefully they learn something by those politics that they left behind and leave them there and give up on them. Yeah, you know what they say about socialism? It's just a bridge to communism. Yeah, there's a uh, uh, I remember in a kid, as a kid studying this and there were like the, the ten tenets of communism and the only one that was different between communism and socialism was theoretically that the communists used force to obtain their their goals. Uh, but socialism always leads towards communism, and it's based on this idea of uh, of a, a commune or a community, and you know nobody really having anything and everybody owning it all. Uh, and you you don't have private property rights. And uh, at the end of the day, the, the government makes the call on who has what and who gets what and, and how things work. And uh, as, as Elon Musk said, uh, nobody's leaving America to go to, to Cuba. That's right. And, yeah. And it's never worked anywhere and it's not going to work. I got 90 seconds. You know, I keep reading these stories in newspapers about how the Democrats are not going to lose or maybe not lose at all and hold on to power and stuff. You know, I think that's just the media making a whole lot of stuff up. Do you feel the same way? Oh, yeah. They seize on anything they can. They're making a huge deal out of this election in New York, um, but they don't get into any of the details of that. The, the Republican candidate up there has been polling ahead by several points, and he's still polling ahead by several points in a general election. But the special election took place during the New York primary election, which historically has like uh, 80% of the turnout are Democrats because there's so many Democrats that get elected. The independents stay at home. So the people that went out and voted in the special election aren't uh indicative of the people who are going to vote in November in a general election. Right. The, the media said, oh, now there's not going to be any Republican victory because of this uh, bellwether race in, in New York. And they don't look at the, the details of it. They're looking for anything they can to create a narrative to make people think that uh, um, Democrats are going to win. 
But, you know, I think that may drive more people to vote because everywhere I talk to folks, they're they're sick and tired of Joe Biden's administration and the policies that the Democrat Congress are pushing out. Well, there's a lot to be said about being sick and tired of being sick and tired. I agree with you there, Congressman. I'll have you on next week again. We'll talk again. I appreciate your time today. Have a great afternoon. Well, thank you, Dave. I saw, sorry for the uh, background noise, but I'm out here getting ready to hit the road in the 4th District. Looking forward to that. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good time. I'm Dave Ellswick. I'll be back with you at 9 o'clock. Uh, Sean is going to be with us. Uh, Sean Stacks going to join it, or Shane Stacks is going to join us, and we're going to sit down and, and have a, a conversation as well. So come on back, 9 o'clock. In fact, don't leave. Find out about your money next. He's been on my show many a time. I have? Goes back years and years. All right. And he came in today. He's got his hat on. Yep. He's always worn a hat ever since I've known him. This is a birthday present from Sheila. Oh, really? The lovely Sheila. Yeah. yeah. This is a recent birthday present. The Tommy Rowe Sheila. <laughs> what? You don't even know. You don't even no, know. What that's, that Tommy Rowe. Tommy Rowe. Was a rock and roll see, uh, singer, and he did a song called Sheila. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Sweet little Sheila. Yeah, that's connected. Yeah, that yeah. Kind of, yeah. sounded kind of like, uh, oh, what's his name uh, from Lubbock, Texas, that did uh, Susie. Uh, I'm going to use, you know, yeah, anyway. Q, yeah, yeah, but yeah. what's his name from, and I can't think of his name right now. This is what happens as you get older. It, it It's going to come, just like it took me forever to remember what Shane used to do in the government, I could I I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought and I could not and all of a sudden, bang! There it is. Okay, okay. Now ask me what it is that you did and I can't tell you, but that's okay. It was justice of the peace. Yes, justice of the peace. Uh, known in other states as the county commissioner. Yeah, I, it's just saying. I'm just saying though. You want you want a little bit of trivia? Yeah, you probably sure. know this, but some of the listeners might not. At one time. This will surprise nobody, knowing how messed up central Arkansas government was. <laughs> we, were, we were talking off air about the weird mayor and city manager thing. In the oh, lot, yeah. Which is just weird. Um, <clears throat> it's basically you have two mayors, basically. Yeah. Um, but at one time, within recent memory, within one or two generations, um, there's somebody that I know that's still alive and not old or elderly by any means was AJ, AJP at that time, we were the, the Pulaski County Quorum Court was the second largest legislative body in the world. It had a, it like it had a hundred JPs or more. I mean, two or three hundred. And they in Pulaski would, County? Yes. And they would, they would meet once a year, vote on stuff and then go away and come back again next year. See you next year. Yeah. You look like kind of like that sheepdog. Yeah, and he was checking the two sheepdogs. Oh yeah, yeah. Check hey in. Bert. Hey Fred. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't know all the details, but that's how he described it to me. 
I'm sure there's more to it, but I, I looked it up, and, and it's true. At one time, the Pulaski County Quorum Court was the second largest legislative body. Wow. Yeah. Good guy. I never, I never heard that. It wasn't that long ago. That's a great, great yeah. piece of trivia. Yeah. They would show it. He said they had an annual meeting. And as much, many problems they have now, can you imagine if they had hundreds? Yeah, I can't even. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like just, the Paula Bureau. J, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the JPs are just bumping it. We have too many JPs. The, this county can't hold this many JPs. I mean, it's a, everybody's, you're a JP, so what? So am I. There was that many. That's incredible. Yeah. Anyway. Everybody. Yes, I was a Justice of the Peace for two terms. And you did good. I tried. You did all right. You got tired of fighting a, what was at that time a losing battle, kind of. Well, there, there were many reasons why I moved on. Um, one of the reasons you was— You had to make money. I w- well, <laughs> so much that. I wasn't in it for the money or the bennies. I never took any of the—, the there's pretty good benefits as a government employee. I never took any of them. I, was, I paid for my own health insurance out of my own pocket while I was— Did you JV. buy your grandkids their, their own ice cream? No, no. <laughs> Yeah, I'll never bonus. Forget yeah, the big I will bonus. Never fight. forget that. Yeah, that 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 got all the way up. That that caused a lot of embarrassment for the Plasky County. And that's Democrats. good. It's supposed yeah. it was supposed to. Yeah. Um, if people don't know where to, there was there was one time where not only did the JPs as usual vote themselves in on the county employee cost of living allowance right. bonus, but made many statements about how they love the bonus and like to buy their grandkids stuff out of the bonus and so it was it was you know and it was i amazing the point i was making was i'm not against jp's getting a bonus or not getting a bonus my point is we shouldn't vote it to ourselves right mm, yeah there should be another mechanism to determine do because jp's are county employees mm-hmm. okay so there should be another mechanism to determine does this county employee get a cost of living allowance for this year? Um, and so that was my thing. And and so uh, after after that year, after the big kerfluffle, uh, thankfully all of the Republicans declined. The said we don't we don't want it because right, it passed right. right? But we we said we don't want it. And and but yeah, my whole thing was we shouldn't vote ourselves a bonus. There's something inherently wrong with that. To include the JPs with the regular county employees. Well, for bonus. instance, there's there is a superintendent that we've talked about here on my show in recent days that turns in his expense account, right? Right. He turns it into himself. Yeah, that's and then he okay's it. That's see, <laughs> come and here's on. A, it's called a, it's called avoiding even the appearance of evil. So even if he's, I'm not saying he is. I'm saying for sake of discussion, mm-hmm. let's say he's the most trustworthy person on the face of the earth, mm. and he can be trusted. That's not the point. The mechanism should be over somebody that he needs can't. To, do right. But somebody, follow the law. That's yeah, exactly somebody right. needs to okay. Like the school board. Well, you need to have somebody, a CFO. That's what right. they're, they're there for. Right. Something. I mean, okaying your own expense report is, <laughs> and then and then just giving it to the people who write the checks. Right. See, that's that's just that's even if he's okay, the next superintendent that comes along might not. That's be. just open to abuse. Yes, it is. So, and and we expect our leaders, or we should expect our leaders to have better 
sensibilities about that better you know this isn't good even the appearance of this isn't good all right so. now if you think that shane should run again for political office what's your what's your cell phone number <laughs> I, I let me look up yours real quick <laughs> now i don't think i'll ever run for office again so here's the thing we're so talking you're too commonsensical yeah well i'll tell you the reason uh that so the main reason I didn't run again, there were a lot of different factors. Okay? I remember, but one of the reasons, and one of the main reasons again, is the most I was going to go, no matter what, uh, was three terms. Okay, and then I was going to quote unquote term limit myself because there are people who get up on the county level and they stay there 20, 30 years forever, and. There's even some very good people. I can think of some very good JPs that do that, or good, uh, other, you know, elected positions that do that. But I'm just not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable because then it becomes that's not the way it was supposed right. To it be. becomes Shane's seat, not the people's seat. Uh-huh. And so somebody came along that wanted to run. Uh, I had been two terms. And I was like, well, I was going to go three terms if I got elected to a third term. Nothing's given. And then, and then I was going to start looking for somebody to replace me. Yeah. Well, somebody came along. I had them meet with all kinds of different people. And they all liked him. So I said, well, I'm not going to run. I'm going to let him run. Um, didn't turn out so well. It didn't. But, <laughs> I mean, we, we actually vetted a lot deeper than uh, – than I think usually happens. Is he even around anymore? He is. He's a good oh, guy. He just made a mistake on not being upfront about something, uh-huh. and the um, the Democrats pasted him with it. Uh, but if he would have been upfront on the front end about it and gotten out ahead of it, I, I think it would have been fine. Gone away. Yeah. So, but I, I'm still in touch with him. He's not a bad guy by any means. Um, is he involved in politics? I know he's vocal on Facebook about politics. I don't okay. know, but but me myself, I've I have found um, that we. Let me, I got to say this very clearly, and so that I'm not misunderstood. We need good people in office. Yes. Okay, but there's, but you also need you need activists. You need people out there trying to inter- introduce sanity into the conversation. And when you get an office, it's, it's, it's different than what you expect, okay? People say, oh, Shane, you did a good job. I'm really not sure I did. I was loud, okay? But I'm not sure I changed a lot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the, the only thing, I, the main thing I did that I feel the best about was I slowed down and somewhat defanged the um, – watershed thing going on if you which is good and i i got pasted and pilloried by the people who were normally my supporters by not doing i'm like what do you expect we're we're outnumbered i mean what do people expect so Mm -hmm. um you know people were like ah i'm like what do you what would you have done i mean the very fact that we even slowed that down and took some of the bite out of it is a miracle but that's and still not I, and good enough. I made mention of that on the air that right. you won some. Right. And if you hadn't have spoke up, you won. Right. You would have won nothing. Yeah. We. I mean, we did a few things that were good. Uh, probably the things I'm personally the most proud of um, was Pulaski County has volunteer sheriff's deputies. It's like a reserve. Right. Dep- and they don't get paid a dime. 
and they I ran the numbers, and this is one of the things like, you know, Judge Vlines and I worked well together on this one. Um, we the uh, the amount of money that Plassey County saved with this reserve sheriffs. Association right. was tremendous. I mean, these people could act as they were trained. They were they just didn't get paid. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. so you saved a lot of money that could be used a on the lot, bridge. A lot, yeah, right. So, uh, <laughs> so I told them not to put my name on that bridge. I've never gone to check to see if if my name's on that nameplate. Um, so, I found out that these that these men and women were buying their own uniforms. And I and we so we came to budget time, and we always have a surplus. So as I can't, you at least see your way to buy a uniform. Yeah. So what we did was, uh, you know, my thing, and this will always quiet a room real quick and make a make a (laughs) make a meeting uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I always raise the point: well, if we have this much of a surplus, we're taxing people too much. We should give it back. Boy, that'll get quiet real yeah. quick. Because we're going after the. What co- do you mean? You yeah. taking our money away? We're taking away that pile of co- taking cocaine. Away our yeah. money, yeah. pile of cocaine. They, they want to snort. Yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> right. So anyway, we you we wor- said it. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. We, right. So we worked on it, and we gave them a clothing allowance so they could go in and and. Well, you know who one of those guys were, Lieutenant Governor uh, Tim. No, Rockefeller. He worked with the cops all the time. Oh, okay. That. He'd go out and help direct traffic. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, he didn't ask for any money. Of course, he didn't need the money, but I'm yep. just saying. He didn't do that. I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say that. Tim Griffin for a second, because I know he had a pretty heavy military background. So nah, it wasn't know. him. No. Yeah. No, Wynn loved doing that kind of stuff. He really, really, A lot of people don't know a lot of things about Lynn Rockefeller, he was the man, as far as I'm concerned. Just be honest with you. All right, let's get a quick break, and we'll come back. We're going to talk 919 right now. Don't forget about Pat Davis, what he wants to do for you. He wants to save you money. Save you money. Just call him at uh, 501-605-6935, and he'll save you 30 to 50% on your health insurance. That's a big deal. You add that up by month, you might say, oh, well, it's $250 a month. That's not a lot of money. It is to me. I'm going to tell you what. $10 still seems like a lot of money to me. I like to have that $10. But uh, let's just say it's 250 Multiply that by 12 and that significantly adds up. And he can save you 20 or take it back 30 to 50% on your health insurance. If you're self-employed, this is the way to go. You need to talk to Pat. If you own a small business, you still want to give your people health insurance because you see that is a way for you to get out in front of your competition and get the best and the brightest hired for your particular business. Talk to Pat. And uh, if you want to give your people no co-pays, you want to cut back on the deductibles that they got to pay, if you want to give them actual insurance and not a share plan, you will talk to Pat. Pat is your health plan man. Pat Davis, 501-605-6935, or visit him online. Go to yourhealthplanman.com. Shane just told me how old his son is. and You're sure? Yep. (laughs) I remember when he was born. Time marches on. I remember when he was born, sir. 
How old are you now? Me? Yeah. Uh, uh, I turned 50 over the summer. 50? Yep. I was going to say, I was just going to say, oh, you, you turned 40, huh? Yep. 50 years old. Well, I, know, I, used, I used to always get comments on how young I looked. Yeah. But after being in politics and getting married, I don't get those comments <laughs> as much anymore. Yeah. You don't. You don't hear. You don't hear from people like me who said you got Dick Clark disease. You <laughs> yeah, don't have no, that anymore. Not anymore. Okay, yeah. I got you. All right. So, all right. So let me read this to you. You tell me if you understand this. This is going to start happening tomorrow. So pay attention. Traffic on I thirty eastbound north of the Arkansas River is going to be reduced to two lanes to receive a third lane of traffic that will be merging onto I-30 from the River Bridge. To access Broadway Street in North Little Rock from I-30 eastbound or I-630, traffic must take downtown exit 140 in Little Rock to the I-30 frontage road and continue to the 4th Street on-ramp and River Bridge. This detour will only be in place during Phase 1. The I-30 eastbound exit ramp to Bishop Lindsay in North Little Rock will close when the new ramp to Broadway Street opens. The I-30 eastbound on-ramp at 9th Street in Little Rock will be closed when the new ramp at 4th Street is opened. I-30 eastbound and westbound lanes will remain in their current alignment on the existing river bridge during this phase. Phase 2 is scheduled to take place on September 10th and will shift all of I-30 eastbound traffic onto the new river bridge and Phase 3 is scheduled to take place on September 11th and will move I-30 westbound traffic onto the new river bridge. Yeah, so here's the thing. <laughs> that sounds confusing There's no to me. easy way to do this. Yeah. It's just going to be a big pile of poo-poo for, for a couple <laughs> weeks. There's no getting around it. And about the time people get used to it. They're going to change it. They'll change it. So it's just, I don't know how do you do it. I mean, that's a major. That's a major. So here's the thing. Like, that 30-40 uh, interchange area. Right is unique in all of the United States of America. It's the only place that two major interstates meet like that. That's one of the reasons why there's so many. Um, there's a lot of like extra drug busts that happen off the highway around here because there's so much traffic coming cross country. You can look that up. It's fact. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a big pile of poo poo. It's just gonna. It's just not. It, it's it. times like this that make me happy. Happy that I work remotely. I'm saying you're going. Yeah. If you were still in your position, yeah. Do you know how much crap you would be getting? Well, the funny thing is, it's like, and and and, and I hate to say it, other than passing resolutions of condemnation or something. There's it's not, not much. much there's not much a quorum it. court can do about that. Right, that is right. a county judge and really Arkansas Highway and Transportation Department thing, a state level thing, much more than it's a county level. Um, So I will say, like, one thing that the county level can try to do, which they normally don't, this came up, remember when the Broadway Bridge was getting redone? Yes. And it was a, and there was a lot of shift of traffic. When I was on the And it was supposed to last about 20 years. Not so much. Yeah. So I don't. 
I don't even remember. I mean, all I remember is uh, having big fights over, you know, uh, like, look, the state has already set aside money to pay for this bridge. Yes. We're not going to put another $20 million into yes. it. I remember that fight. Um, like, that's what On I was talking about. the front page of the paper. That's what I was talking about earlier when I said um, – you know, I don't want my name on the the nameplate. Right. I don't know if it got on there. I was here's a funny story. They did an expansion on the county jail, um, and and so they took us on a tour of the county jail to show us the expansion. Yes, because that's re- actually a big deal. I, I remember this. Yeah, the amount Go of ahead. beds at the county jail is actually a pretty big issue. Uh, but anyway, so they showed us the expansion, and. Uh, I remember looking, there was a plaque, like on the wall, that said, this wing or expansion or whatever brought to you by county government, and it had like the judge's <laughs> name, and it had all the JP's name. And I'm thinking, what if some really angry inmate just stares at that every day and sees my name on yeah. there? And I'm, I'm like, this is a movie waiting to happen, right? A revenge movie waiting to happen. Right. Uh, but anyway... Uh, yeah, the county government well, – the, the original point I was going to make was what if – or not what if, but when, when all the traffic was getting rerouted because of the Broadway Bridge, local businesses that were long established, their foot traffic and their people pulling in to buy stuff traffic was being seriously impacted. You have 15 seconds. And I said – well, what are we doing to support them because of our decisions hurting their business? Mm-hmm. And you could have heard a pin drop. Crickets. Yep. Yep, crickets. All right, we'll be back. We've got news. Let's do that right now. I can't let you just stay in today. i got to take you back, and i, I got to make you a justice of the peace again. What would you do if you heard this? All right. If you're driven down Canis Road, this is a story from THV 11. If you're driven down Canish Road or Ferndale Cutoff within the last week, you've probably seen gravel from construction. Drivers said the road work has ruined their cars and they want something to be done about it. There's just piles of rocks and tar. I mean, I can't even pull that off because it's stuck on my car so much, said driver James Douglas. Douglas explained that he was just one of dozens in the Ferndale area that have dealt with this. Quote, I've talked to other members of the community who are having engine troubles and brake troubles and just all these different things, he added. Now he and other drivers want to reach out to uh, Pulaski County officials for help. What do we do? We're left with a mess. You know who's responsible? Is it the county? Is it the company? And how do we move forward? I just want uh, some public discourse of what we can do. We brought those questions to the Pulaski County Road and Bridge Director, Shane Ramsey. When you get something on your vehicle, you can give us a call and we'll get you in touch with the contractor and they will come look at it, Ramsey said. Ramsey added that workers with the construction company, Intermountain Slurry Steel, will come clean the tar and gravel off your car if they believe the road work caused it. Quote, they actually washed seven vehicles out there Saturday for those that showed up, and they got them really clean, he said. Douglas is also concerned about safety when out and about. Now, that's back to the driver again. Quote, if I hit a bump going down the highway, if I'm traveling at a normal speed, those rocks are going to come off. You know, they can hit somebody else's vehicle. 
Ramsey explained that the technique they have been using is less expensive than repaving or overlay, uh, and it could make the existing asphalt last anywhere from six to ten more years. Quote, is a new process that has been approved by RDOT, and they're using it extensively. We're trying it out on some county roads as opposed to repaving the entire road. Ferncliff Road, Stewart Road, Ferndale Cutoff, Canis Road, and Sparks Road are some of the areas that have been impacted by road work. And Douglas added that he expects the project will be finished this week. So uh, what would what would your initial look so the, at this be? There's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, so if that came to the Quorum Court when I was on the Quorum Court, um, there's... When it, when it comes to actually a legislative body, you got to deal with the philosophical, is this right or wrong in general? Yeah. And then what can this body actually do about it? What's this body responsible for? So it sounds like a dodge, but it's not. But you've got to figure out what, what's going on where. Now, one thing that my ears immediately went up on was that the um, – the government, the county official that they talked to, um, carefully didn't address the damage to the cars. He mm-hmm. only, even though there was complaints of dirt, yeah, this and is, damage. That was Pulaski County Road and Bridge Director Shane right. Ramsey. So, just did not address the fact that hey, our brakes and our engines are getting messed up. Mm-hmm. Now, so here's here. There's a lot of different stuff going on here. First and foremost, I, I think that the uh, that that official did the right thing immediately, saying there's a contractor doing this. We've hired a contractor to do this. Uh, so do we? Do we find out is the contractor doing what it's supposed to do? Is it is it being sloppy and 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 leaving rocks all over the place that right. it shouldn't be leaving all and and three what's their responsibility here i'm sure they're bonded i'm sure they have insurance so if their work causes damage to vehicles mm-hmm. so the first place to go is there honestly cuz the county or whoever hired them to do the work correct so what what what's actually the situation what do the roads look like what's actually happening to the cars so um if and so we got to we got to now we have to get into some what ifs, all right? If uh the 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 roads are and I'm saying if cuz I'm not there eyeballing it myself, right? So uh if the roads have all these this access gravel and rocks and uh it's causing damage to cars, then we go to the the contractor and say, you know, cuz if you hire a contractor you're supposed to check them out. What, what kind of insurance do you have? Da, da da da, and see if their insurance and stuff can cover it. And what what needs to be documented? Like, what do the car owners have to do to document? Yeah, this happened to my car, and it happened because of this road, right? And if for some reason the uh, the contractor's insurance can't handle it, or they refuse to, or something, then yeah, if the government hired that contractor and the contractor's methods messed up the cars are defective are defective or something then the county would be the next level but it's probably going to take a lawsuit right to get the county to act um so or or the department of transportation who's paying for this right Mm -hmm. so 
Ferndale, to me, sounds unincorporated, right? Okay. And in the unincorporated areas, the county is usually taking care of the roads, not the city, not the state. You know, that big road and bridge fund that the county judges love so much? Yes. It's... That's a lot of what it's to take care of. That's where the money comes from. Right. So now one thing that I think they did right was we'll come clean your car. So it sounds like they had some sort of event that you had to bring your car to. And then they'll clean. But seven cars came. So how well was that communicated? Right. So, uh, you know, I think at the very least they'll say we're going to clean your car is good. But. The cleanliness of the car is not my major concern. Are you messing up engines? Are you messing up brakes and all that? There's also, I have to ask, does your car insurance cover this kind of thing? Now, I understand people don't want to mess with their deductibles and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But what is what is your car insurance responsibility? Because there's going to be a certain amount of wear and tear. And, and they, you know, you, insurance companies love these actuarial tables. They factored in road work damaging your car when you buy your car insurance, right? So, right. I would say if the if the if the if the um, if if the if the contractor isn't going to take care of it, then as a quorum court member, if I was still in the quorum court, then I would definitely dig to see what the county's responsibility is, because when you're on another one of the reasons I'm glad you brought this up. I love to help educate people on what the quorum court does. Of course. We're, it's the legislator. It's like the state legislator, but on a county level. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a lot of what we do is like, I can't, or I can't, but the quorum court can't make your property taxes go away, but we try to make sure that they're spent wisely. Reasonable. But re- reasonable, right? But another thing that the quorum court is in the in unincorporated areas, when you don't have a city council member, your quorum court member is the closest thing you have to like a city council member or a mayor or something. So you go to, so you in this case, if you think the county's messed you over, you would go to your quorum court member and the quorum court member would bring this to the quorum court to be talked about. Uh, so it, I would definitely, even though it's not my district, like I, I represented a, a, a majority of North Little Rock. I would be happy to dig in and see what the county's responsibility is in a case like this. All right. A final thing that they had on this uh, story is a little aside. It says, if you had to deal with any issues with your vehicle, you can reach out to the Pulaski County Road and Bridge Department. Give them a call. Yeah. They're going to refer you to the contractor, though. I guarantee it. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. It is and, interesting. And I, I knew I was going to have you on, and I was, yeah. you know, I don't want to just sit here and, and relive old times or whatever. That's just some good information no, love, about what county government does. I love going through stuff like that. I, in reality, what's going to happen is those poor drivers are in for a, um, Argu- for a game of... Arduous term. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they are in for a game of pass the potato until they force somebody to, to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, so. and you named three different things there. Right. The county government. You named the company putting the stuff down. Are they doing it right? RDOT. What, what do they have to do with all of this? Right. So it would be interesting. And that's a perfect example. See, you need to be on there again so I could be calling you up every and other day and say, bring well, us up to date what's happening. This say. is a perfect example of why it's hard to get stuff done in government sometimes. Well, what's, what's, what about my car? I'm waiting on answers from... The county, 
the the company and our DOT. I, uh, you know, sometimes all you can do is be a bully pulpit. Yep. So anyway, I brought it up from Channel 11. Good on Channel 11 that they brought it up. Then I bring it up. Then I talk to you, and you've been in the county government, and you talk about what you would do, and maybe those people are listening as well. Yep. It gives, them, it gives everybody something to do. Something to do. <laughs> All right. Because none of us have enough to do, right? That's right. Absolutely not. East End Towing, don't forget about them. They will help you in whatever position that you're in, whether it's on private property, a tow, public property, a tow, out on the, you know, the, the, the right-hand side of I, I-30 or I-67 or whatever, and you need a tow, call them. They know what to do. No matter the situation, East End Towing can handle it. They've got all the answers. If you're a truck driver, call them. They can tow your truck. They got a. I don't know how big this tow truck is. I've seen it. I don't know how many tons it is, all right? It is a huge uh, tow truck, and they can pull you off the road and get you to where you need to get. Uh, call East End Towing, 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. Do the best with East End Towing. All right, back with you. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Back. Yeah, Shane Stacks is here. I've been trying to get him on for several several weeks, but he's been busy. Life happens. Yeah. But I love to come on. What, do you, what are you doing now? You're working still in IT? Yeah, I'm working in IT remotely. Uh, I still do Shane Plays Geek Talk. That's uh, cool. Yeah, I still do a lot of geeky stuff. Um, been doing some, I don't know if you know Medium.com. Mm. Uh, they're kind of a, they've been around for about 10 years now. Uh, kind of lets people write. And, okay. And get paid, so I've been doing oh, a little cool. bit of writing on Medium. My my most recent post was what forgiveness really is. So that's my non geeky, a little stuff. religious thing, huh? Yeah. Well, th- not only that, but it, it goes into you know unforgiveness is is you've heard the it's like drinking poison and expecting waking the other, the person, other person to die, right, yeah. or stabbing yourself. Yeah. Right. So it goes more into when you for, when you forgive you you free yourself more. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of my non geeky stuff. I got I did a little bit of what politics really is and uh you know be be nice to one of my favorite things to say now at 50 i'm wise right no i'm just now i'm still an idiot but uh like one of my favorite things to say now is be nice to future you right uh-huh. future you is real future you isn't just some vague concept the stuff you do right now will impact will on impact you future later. you that's so, true I, I, you know, I talk about stuff like that, and that's my non-geeky stuff. But, I like that. Yeah. So. I like that. More people should think about that. Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, I, I was like, I know it sounds obvious, but, like, really think about it. Like, future you is a real person, and you can either send real nice stuff up the way, or you can send really nasty stuff up the way. Like a trillion you. dollars of debt to your grandchildren. Yeah, no, yeah, our government... Yeah. yeah, it does not think about future you. No. Now, like I said, it's back to that big pile of cocaine. We just want to <laughs> stick our nose in it. <laughs> Something like, what, what was what's the, the, the movie I'm trying to think of? The guy uh, was, uh, the guy was the drug lord in Miami. Scarfish. Scarfish, yeah. yeah. Where he's he just, got that, that huge big pile yeah. that just falls no, that's, forward into that's, it. That's government dollars. Well, these days it's not even real money. <laughs> no. It's just whatever, whatever. What is money now after the last two or three years? What is it? It's it, just. It's, it's a concept. I, I know this is a cliche, but 
What's ever since we went off the gold standard? What does it even mean? 1971. I can tell you when it happened, but here's the key about that is, and, and I've talked about it, and you and I have talked about it extensively, and that is a dollar is only worth as much as you can convince a dollar is worth. Right, where it used to be. Yeah, it used had to, to be backed up be by back, the like, same amount of gold. Like, literally, the concept was you could take a dollar in and trade it for that amount of gold. precious metal or whatever. Yeah. They had silver certificates yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. That's not the case anymore. I don't want certificates. I want yeah. the metal. Yeah, but, so, but now <laughs> it's just... It's just a group hallucination. Yeah. I mean, really, it's, you know... It's so. Bitcoin. Well, no, because Bitcoin is actually... I, I study a lot of crypto stuff. I'm not out trying to be a crypto boy and telling people to buy crypto. <laughs> crypto bro is what they call them. Let me get my Lambo. But uh, <laughs> when did you get your first Lambo, bro? Uh, but even cryptocurrency is is backed up by a legitimate formula. Like there's only this much of it in the world. Uh-huh. Whereas what the dollar, what what is it? It's just like, we just need more. Yeah. Let's print up some Add more. a zero. As as yeah, as the uh as the Joker said in the nineteen eighty eight eighty nine Batman, take him out a whole new door. You bring those trucks in, we got more dollars coming. Yeah. It's, print it's them up. pretty crazy. Uh are you with that in mind, are you glad that you're out of it? Yes and no. Okay. There are moments. I'm sure it's like somebody who used to be like a boxer or somebody in the sports. I could still take him. Yeah, there are moments (laughs) where I'm like, oh, I want to be in there.